0: After dinner I took a long stroll and suddenly struck me I'm single. And I gotten accustomed to thinking of myself as recently divorced, but that was 5 years ago. I'm 43 and I'm alone.
1: And are you feeling that way? Are you feeling like maybe you are recently divorced and You just feel like you just divorced and then it hits you that you haven't taken any action or you are a little gun shy, you're afraid to date again and... What do you do? How do you take the next step? How do you motivate yourself to even want a relationship, maybe after a rocky divorce? That's one of the many topics we can talk about. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. It's an opportunity for you to call in and ask any question that you would ask a counselor or a therapist, and although it's not therapy, it's an opportunity for you to get some tips and maybe put you in a better direction. And my website's drkenner.com and my phone number. But jot it down is toll free. One eight seven seven Doctor Kenner. D R K E N N E R. That's one eight seven seven Doctor Kenner. And right now I want to welcome Mark to the show. Mark, your wife thinks that you're too controlling?
0: Well, I would say that it goes beyond that and probably that's just a kind of a tagline to, to get the conversations going. Okay. It's uh, more than that, and it has to do with the fact that she came down with brain cancer in November.
1: <gasps> when was this?
0: And, uh, November. Okay. And we went through all of the uh, uh, surgical stuff that goes along with that, and that came off pretty good. But the moment she was back home, I, I noticed that her attitude towards me was different. And uh,
1: what did you notice?
0: What, what did I notice? She yeah. felt that I was trying to control things by, um, well, the big thing was the telephone, so she wasn't woken up all the time. And then if she slept too long, she would start having nightmares, and so we kind of settled on this pattern of less than two hours of sleep. So it was, I never, well, let me rephrase that. She never was kept away from the phone or people uh, calling into her. There was always a notepad with, here's who called, and, and even my children felt that I was controlling the situation because they had to go through me to get the mom. Yeah, type of thing. yeah, yeah. And so it's pretty typical. But I noticed the shift too, in that you know, um, I basically couldn't do anything right as well. And then,
1: what do you mean then, by uh, what do you mean by that, Mark?
0: Well, uh, uh, no matter what I did, it wasn't the right way. And so uh, a, a typical conversation would be something like. Uh, well, here here's some uh, muffins of this sprite, and she would say, well, why didn't you cook me this kind instead? Yeah, You know, it didn't matter what I did. There was always something wrong. Okay,
1: whenever I hear that, I say there's something underlying it all, that if, this, if the stuff on the surface, Mark, doesn't make sense, what what is the deeper thing that's going on?
0: I, I wish I knew, to be honest with you, because at that point in time, Basically, it was just taking care of her and trying to nurse that. And if you were to ask me, the only thing that I can think of is trying to deal with the idea that you're going to, only going to live 9 to 12 months.
1: Is that what's going on with the brain cancer?
0: Yeah, so yes and no.
1: Okay, go <laughs> ahead.
0: Story. And that's where I was going next, and that's that um, I did a lot of research, which is you know, kind of my forte. I'm retired, but I did a lot of research. Yeah. That.
1: How old but is she? How old, Sixty- old is she? 68?
0: 62.
1: Okay. And you're how old?
0: I'm 65. I was retired. She was still working. Okay. And so uh, basically, I found that clinical trials offer a great opportunity and that usually you get better standard of care. And secondly, it, it, it overall, it doubles your prognosis or the benefits of any kind of... Okay. Opinion. And so I did a lot of work and found one that just worked perfectly as far as uh, the markers she had for the cancer and everything mm-hmm. else. And she was only the fifth one ever to get into this study.
1: Yeah.
0: And so to do that, we literally had to go live in another city for mm-hmm. uh, five months together. Yeah. Uh-huh. How else well-
1: yeah. Go ahead. We went through...
0: Uh, 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 stem cell transplant, which, you know, was just ugly. Radiation, ke- chemotherapy, stem cell transplant, all these things, to give her high-dose
1: yeah. uh,
0: chemotherapy. Higher than would, you know, if they gave it to me today, I would be dead in two weeks.
1: Okay. She's been
0: aching. So now we start getting the chemo-brain type of thing going on, too, at least in my estimation. That, you know, things aren't quite right, and the stories I hear is from other caregivers is, confusion, uh, maybe a bit of paranoia, and again, everything I'm doing is wrong, uh, and, uh, you know, like, uh, you're being mean to me, what am I doing, Being? how am I being mean? Well, you're waking me up, you get me going for the appointment.
1: Okay, let me, you know? let me stop here and jump, unless there's something really important, let me jump in here. Mm-hmm. Okay, what I hear is that both of you are going through significant, significant trauma. You're dealing with loss on multiple, multiple levels. Your relationship is changing dramatically. She's got brain cancer. It may be time limited, meaning uh, she may not live another five years or so. Um, and it's, it's major for everyone, and in cases when you feel like you're out of control of brain cancer, guess what you most want?
0: What, what you had before.
1: You want what you had before, and if you feel out of control, what is it that you're hungry for? Control. Control. Choice-making. Um, I my, When my grandfather was dying, this is decades ago now, I didn't know how to handle it. And I read a book which said that even in your dying moments, the dying person likes to be respected and to have choices. And so I went in and I said, hey, Gra- hey Gramps, what would you like? I didn't. I called him Poppy Arthur. That's what we called him. Mm-hmm. I said, what would you like? Would you like me some water? Would you like me to put the clock on this side? of the room on this side I was within the limits of him being hooked up in bed on his you know last dying days I was trying to give him some dignity or help him have his keep his own dignity not making all the choices for him and he said to me I'd love to see you do a tango with your uncle <laughs> So, so, choice choice can go in funny directions. So, th- th- I think it's true for both of you. I think that both of you reasonably want control. And you're trying to do things out of the goodness of your heart that make life better for you and for her. Meaning, you don't want her to have nightmares. It's a mess for her. It's a mess for you. you the telephone, she needs to sleep, so you respectfully take the phone calls. And then she's upset with you. The, the problem with that that is that you need to work together and come up with strategies that make sense. Now, that gets complicated if part of the brain uh, damage that's been done uh, shows up in some confusion and some paranoia because then no matter what you do, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, and she yeah, may f-
0: you, just hit, you just hit the nail on the head. Go so ahead. What was going to say next is we finally get back home and are looking forward to Finally, getting some sanity Yeah, as she continues to go through chemo, and two days later, she files a restraining order against me suicidal, a threat to myself.
1: Who's she? Is she suicidal, or she's saying you're suicidal? She
0: that she, I am suicidal,
1: but you're not. you're not.
0: You're okay. not. Right. Well, if I was, I certainly wouldn't be calling in here now.
1: <laughs> okay, thank <laughs> you, thank you. Okay, uh, so I'm I'm hearing. Go ahead. So,
0: basically, uh, trying to come out down out of this decompression, and now all of a sudden we was straining order, and I can't even talk to her to find out what's going on.
1: Okay, I think that you need some supportive therapy for yourself. This is traumatizing. If I were in your shoes, and here I am trying to go out of my way to make life sane as possible, given the situation, um, it is typical that... It, if somebody feels very dependent on another person, they typically bite the hand that feeds them. For example, look at well people who are on welfare. They don't thank the taxpayers who are giving whose money they're getting. They want more. You know, they have that entitlement mentality. And it's also true in um, difficult situations, in, like you're talking about caretaker situations, where you can do a lot for another person, and they may not. Re- they they resent it because they wish they were doing it from themselves, because they'd earn some self respect but maybe they can't. And so I would absolutely get some cognitive therapy or whatever supportive therapy is available for you because you need some TLC, you need some help, and you need some good guidance. So,
0: I I, I am planning that too. I, I think the biggest question mark in my mind is still after all of this that I love her very much, and yet...
1: You right. need to do some anticipatory grief work too. If you hold on, I'll talk with you during the break. This is Dr. Ellen Kenner on the rational basis of happiness. My number is toll free 1 877 DRKENNER, and my website's drkenner.com, drkenner.com.